We have taken the last few weeks to talk about Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the three days that changed the world. You see, there was a man named Jesus, and he taught as no one had ever taught. He lived as no one had ever lived, and he loved as no one had ever loved. It's amazing to see his love for the sinners, those who are sick, the forgotten poor, the despised rich. He loved everybody. His circle of love was not exclusive. It was inclusive. You were included in that circle. On Friday, his great courage got him arrested. And his great love led him to the cross. And on Friday, his great heart stopped beating. It was on Friday he was placed in a tomb. And what appeared was like a tragic ending to this once awesome story. But it was just Friday. On Saturday, it was the day after crucifixion, but the day before resurrection, the in-between day. It is unique and challenging in and of itself. If you can deal with the pain of Friday's attack, Then you have to learn to deal with Saturday where you're in between the pain of Friday and waiting on the joy of Sunday. It's the in-between day of despair and hope, of darkness and light. At times it seems that Saturday will last forever. When you're living it, you even wonder if Sunday will come. It's been seated in your heart that bad times will not last forever that the battle will end, that victory will come. And so occasionally we'll say, weeping endures for the night, but joy, it will come in the morning. But at times we wonder, will morning ever dawn? That's Saturday. We see that very description in the followers of Jesus as in one way they wanted to hope, but they wondered because there was no sign or signal that things would change. The guards had been posted at the entrance of the tomb The stone had been rolled in place and the Roman imperial seal was there and nothing strange would happen, but that was Saturday. Here's what the Bible says about Sunday. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. Luke 24, verses 1 through 7. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. I love this. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed. You see, that's Friday. Betrayed into the hands of sinful men and crucified, that's Friday. And that he would rise again on the what day? The third day, which is Sunday. And that day came. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. It's a three-day story. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says, He was handed over to die because of our sins. That's Friday. And he was raised to life 
to make us right with God. Aren't you thankful for the resurrection? When we, we've been in this series. That, yeah, you can clap. You can say yes. You, you can sit there like it's no big deal. It really it, it doesn't change the story. Uh, Friday. Saturday, Sunday. Sunday, the stone got rolled away. On Sunday, death lost its sting. The grave lost its victory. On Sunday, Satan lost, and sin lost, and shame lost. On Sunday, the tomb was emptied, and hope was fulfilled. Jesus won the victory. It was not an incomplete or victory in part. No, it was a completed victory. That's why hope soared that day and love won that day. On that day, on Sunday, you and I got something to live for beyond ourselves. And something to die for beyond ourselves. Someone has said that Sunday, Easter Sunday, it's the central proclamation, and I love this, of the greatest victory over the darkest enemy by the noblest leader, hero, over this incredible sin challenge. It gave us the loftiest blessing of all human history. So if there's anything, he writes, in this sorry world with all of its challenges to really celebrate, it's the fact that Jesus is alive. Let me put it in my words. Because of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday reality, we can say today that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive, and we have all the promise we need for a hopeful future and a full eternity. Because Peter writes that by the living hope, the living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have purpose to be excited, to be focused, to be blessed. You see, I love the whole idea that Peter writes about how it establishes worth. We don't gather on Easter to say, the stock market has risen. It has risen indeed. We don't gather to say that, you know, the economy has risen. It has risen indeed. We gather to say he has risen. He has risen indeed. It's interesting how in the culture things can try to define us, assess us, uh, to evaluate us and determine our worth. I want to tell you that by the fact that Jesus Christ died for us and in our place and rose again, that's what establishes our worth. I've had this conversation with people over the last year and a half. I've had people say to me, I'm not worth 40% what I was a year ago. I don't have near the 401k that I used to. I'm not worth, my net worth, someone said to me, has been cut in half. And, and I understand what they're saying, and that's a reality circumstantially. But spiritually, and the power of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday says, your worth is established by what God was willing to pay for your salvation, and your worth is much today as you have ever been worth, because your worth is not defined by culture. It's not defined by a bad choice you've made, by a sin you have committed. Your worth is not defined by good choices you have made. Your worth is defined by the fact that God would give his only son and Jesus would die and rise again so that you could have eternal life. You could be restored, you could be reconciled, and you could have a relationship with Jesus. That establishes worth. Can you imagine? After Sunday, 
John, who was this follower of Christ, who went right to the end. I mean, he was there at the cross. Most of the others were, were just not there. And Jesus even said to John, take care of my mom. Can you imagine John after the resurrection? Now, he knows that the tomb is empty because he's one of the followers that, that wanted to see for himself. And he went to the tomb, and he found that it was empty. Now, can you imagine after that that he would say to James, you know, James, the fish still aren't biting, and my business is 40% off of this time last year. I fish in the daytime. I fish at nighttime. I used to could predict where the fish would bite and when they would bite. I had a plan. I could tell you how many we would catch with just within a few before we ever went out to fish. And now things are so different. Matter of fact, James, I don't know if the fish will ever bite again. Now here's James, who would have to say, John, Jesus is alive. Let me take it up to another level, John. John, life is more than fish. John says, but I, I, I know, but look, look at, the, look at the statistics. Look at the books. It's not what it used to be. I, I can't sleep at night. I'm anxious about this. And I feel like a failure. And James says, John, you're allowing fish to define you how many fish john life is more than fish life is more than what you have or don't have life is more than just what's going on in this present season let me bring it into today you hear the truth coming from that you, you can't allow culture to assess you how much depression is going on in our community right now and in our culture because of all of these things that are out of our control? I felt so strong today to say to somebody, quit beating yourself up. You're beating yourself up over some things you can't control. And quit beating yourself up over bad decisions you've made. Repent of those decisions. Receive forgiveness and grace in, in that area of your life. But quit beating yourself up your worth is not assessed by what you've done correctly or incorrectly by the sin you've committed or the righteousness which you have done on your best day you're not good enough for God to save you because of your righteousness and on your worst day you can't sin so much that he doesn't love you the cross says you are worth the death of his son, his blood shed for you, and the power of the blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness, writes your name in the Lamb's book of life, declares you're a son or a daughter of God. It assigns that you have the rights and the inheritance as being a son or a daughter of God. Don't you for a moment beat yourself up by what's happening around you. Assess yourself by the one who died for you. Now, the reason I think that this is important and I get pretty passionate about it, is because I, we live in such a culture of, it's like a spirit of heaviness. And if you can move into it right now with a message 
of worth established by the cross and the resurrection. You're going to be light in darkness. You're going to be a word in season to somebody. You know somebody who's beating themselves up over a situation that they didn't handle just the way they should. And the enemy having his way, they'll just they'll sink deeper and deeper in that despair. The power of the resurrection is to forgive and to release, to set free, so that we realize who we are in Jesus. The devil works overtime, doesn't he, telling us who we're not and what we will never be and what we will never have. That he doesn't love us. He doesn't care about us. Why not allow the one who loves us to make that assessment and establish what we're worth? And we're not worth anything in and of ourselves. It's not who we are, it's whose we are. It's not what we have done, it's what he has done. I'm not in any way trying to give us a license to sin. I'm saying if you catch what I'm saying today, your motivation will be the love of God. And no one lives for Jesus with greater passion than those who are motivated by the love of Jesus. What incredible love, an ocean of love that forgave me and cleansed me and lifted me and helped me and blessed me and forgave me and set me free. Out of that, I'm motivated to serve. Our hope, which has been the hope for human beings across continents and cultures for two millennia, in the face of the most difficult times, has been the fact that Jesus is alive. Well, that means that sin must be forgivable. That's right. That's what Sunday says. Your sins can be forgiven, all of them, any one of them. You can be forgiven. Charles Steinmetz, he worked for General Electric. This is years ago. And uh, he was very aware of all of their equipment. He had retired but was often called back as a consultant when, when equipment was malfunctioning and they just couldn't figure out how to make it work. He came into a plant one day and was looking in the area of the malfunction and took a piece of chalk. He drew a line on a piece of equipment. said, that's the problem. And he walked out so that they could go to work. A few days later, he sends them a bill for $10,000. The manager of the plant said, $10,000? Now, $10,000 is a lot of money. It was a lot of money back then. This was pre-stimulus package days. <laughs> this is a lot of money. And so here he is uh, holding this bill for $10,000. He said, this can't be right. Have him itemize it. So they sent it back to him, and Charles, he... He does it. He itemizes, sends it back, and they open it, look at it, and here's what it says. It says, for making the mark, $1. For knowing where to make the mark, $9,999. So he knew where to do the work. He knew what to do and where to do it. You see, who do you call? Here's the question for people who are trying to figure out Sunday. Who do you call when life breaks down? When a marriage falls apart? When you've messed up as a parent? When you've violated your values? When you've handled anger the wrong way? When you're trapped in deceit? When greed has gotten the best and you've, 
you've made some destructive choices, when you get hooked on something and there's an addiction in your life, who do you call? Who, who do you call when you're afraid? You call Jesus. The person who can walk into your life by the power of his presence. And he knows where to mark your heart with conviction. And then he has paid the price to bring the correction. And to bring the forgiveness and the freedom so that your life functions again. He knows where to make the mark. Itemize it. He was handed over to Rome. He could have called off the actions of Friday at any moment, but because of his courage and his love, because of the joy that one day, maybe like on a Sunday morning at the assembly, someone would say, I need Jesus. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, itemized it, the nails, the crown of thorns. Death by crucifixion. Placed in a borrowed tomb. And even on Saturday, he was doing work. And on Sunday, he rose again. He went through all of that. So that when a desperate heart would open up with a, Jesus, help me. When you, when you call, he would answer. And whosoever calls, doesn't matter who you are, see. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you've done. Whosoever who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved because he knows how to help you, where to help you, and to make your life function again. The price, the shedding of his own blood, the giving of his own life as a sacrifice so that you could be saved. That establishes worth. And it tells you that your sins can be forgiven. And it says, so the best must be yet to come. Absolutely. See, that's the message the community needs to hear. Not that there aren't consequences to actions. Not that you can just live any way you want. But don't for a minute think that the power of the blood has been minimized, diminished, or lost. Jesus saves. He saves debtors. Murderers. He, sa he, sa he makes the, the vilest sinner clean. That's the message of Sunday. It's a message of hope. You're worth the death of his son. The enemy will work overtime at injecting into your thoughts that you're unworthy. There is a price to sin. And it is death. But the gift of God brings life. If Jesus can die and rise again, then he can bring the power to your life to be born again. Rebirth. Renewed. Like new. Washed. Cleansed. Sunday says you're worth it. In this culture of fluctuation where Things are up and down, unpredictable. There's one thing that never changes, and that's the love of God. Can you say amen? That's the grace of God. That's 
The steadfast, it says, love of the Lord never changes. His mercies, they never come to an end. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Hallelujah. Just let that sink into your heart. His love never changes. It reaches to where you are and knows exactly how to work in your life to bring repair, reform, to bring renewal, restoration so that your life works again. Because if you don't fix that area of your life, nothing about your life will function. It will shut you down completely. Your potential and your talents can never be realized if you don't allow Jesus to bring a mark in your heart called conviction and then bring cleansing through his power so that you're free to go forward. Sometimes the smallest area of a life-controlling issue disrupts everything else. We need someone who can walk into our heart and know the truth about us who can identify it. We talk to other people and at times we want to talk around it. We don't want them to go there. It's too, it's too sensitive. But Jesus goes there. Jesus says to his followers, we're going to Samaria. I've got an appointment. He didn't use those words. He says, we must needs go to Samaria. And so they go to Samaria. His disciples, they don't want to go. They don't like Samaria. And he goes right to the central place where this lady comes to draw water. She's not saying anything, so he starts the conversation. And it's interesting, when you read his interaction with this woman, she tries to change the subject. Because he's starting to identify the area of need in her life. But he stays with it, and he speaks to that area. And he changes her life. He can do the same for you. So let me try to summarize Sunday as we come to a concluding point. The cross and the resurrection establishes worth. The cross and the resurrection says the future is not up for grabs. The future is not at risk. The cross and the resurrection says the best is yet to come. And yet when we try to wrap our minds around that, we know that someday there will be death. But through the resurrection, even death is no longer an enemy. None of us like to talk about death. We're comfortable talking about life. We have cereal called life. No one would make a cereal called death. For those who like to get a slow start, nobody would do that. I mean, we even have a product we can buy called life insurance. How do you collect on it? You have to die. So they wouldn't ever call it death insurance. There's there's no way. We're comfortable talking about life. It's death that wigs us out. And yet Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Circling that word death, meaning it's no longer an enemy to the believer. So you can work yourself from the greater to the lesser. If we don't even have to fear death, we certainly don't have to fear the economy. If we don't have to fear death, we don't have to fear this coming election. At least I don't think. 
if we don't have to fear death, then what do we have to fear? Notice the lilies of the field, Jesus said. They don't toil or spin, and yet they're clothed in splendor. And it's the argument in that passage from the lesser to the greater. And if God would take care of, of the lilies of the field, which have no soul, no eternity, how much more is he going to watch over you and take care of you? What do we have to fear if we don't have to fear death? What is there to be worried about? that? If we don't have to fear death, then we can say the best is yet to come. It's only going to get better. Think if we live that kind of faith, the kind of witness we would be. Winston Churchill has always stood out to me as a unique man. He, he's interesting in his resolve. Matter of fact, one of my favorite quotes by Winston Churchill is this. In war, resolution. In defeat, defiance. I like that kind of grit. Winston Churchill, after World War II, was asked to do the commencement address. And he walks before the student body, and he just has a few words that makes up the whole speech. And he says, never give up, never give up, never give up. And he walks off. Love it. Don't you wish you had a pastor that would sum it up like that? In the resurrection, you will have one. But until then, there was this lady that was always challenging Winston Churchill. Her name was Lady Ashton. And one day she said, Winston, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your coffee. He looked at her. He said, Lady Ashton. If you were my wife, I would drink it. <laughs> this, this guy was just resolute. In this nature that he had, he planned his own funeral. He planned the place, St. Paul's Cathedral, this incredible edifice. He planned it out in detail. And at the end of the message... To close his funeral service, he had this person who was high in the balcony on one side of the cathedral who started to play the song Taps. The universal song that indicates the day is done. It's over. And as it resonated through that cathedral and came to a close, there was just a moment of silence and right when the moment of silence was getting a little awkward, he had this other person assigned, same place, other side of the cathedral, who started blasting out the song Reveille, which was to announce the new day has started. Because in his resolve, he believed in the resurrection. And that when the day is ending, the day is starting. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there wasn't even a fear of death. And when you don't have to fear dying, what do you need to fear? Nothing. And if we don't have to fear death, 
then truly the best is yet to come. Because the resurrection says there's no sin God can't forgive. There's nothing that grace can't do. The power of God's available. Open your heart to Jesus and let him change your life. It it almost seems too good to be true, but it's true. I don't know how you proposed so that your girlfriend would become your fiancé, your fiancé, your wife. I won't even repeat what I just heard. Uh, Kelly and I know this guy who, he was going to propose, his wife didn't know it, and he takes her to spend the day in New York. They spend the day in New York, and toward the end of the day, they go to the very top of the Empire State Building. And he's got it all planned out, she has no idea. She has no idea that he's invited her parents, and they've flown in, and her siblings. His parents and his siblings, they've flown, they're there. And at just the right moment, he's going to kneel and get out the ring and propose. And then all the family will join the celebration. It had been like a picture-perfect day. They'd enjoyed the day, and now there they are very top of the Empire State Building, just looking out. And he turns and looks at her, and he goes down on one knee. He gets out the ring, and he says, I can't imagine the future without you. Will you marry me? She looks at him, and she goes, are you serious? He goes, yes, I'm serious. She goes, yes. And at the words, yes, the family came from around the corners. They all had gifts commemorating the moment. It was just this awesome, like, incredible moment. What does Sunday teach us? It teaches us that everything Jesus said and did was validated. And that he comes before you and says, your worth will never be established by what goes on around you. Your worth was established by what I did for you. And it never fluctuates. You'll never do anything to make me love you less. You'll never do anything to make me love you more. I've established how much I love you by my willingness to sacrifice and die for you. That has established your worth. There's no sin I can't forgive. I know just where to mark your heart with conviction, and I know how to fix you. I have the power. I have created you. I know how to remake you. I'm all in to rebirth. So there's no sin that I can't forgive, and the future is not at risk, and the future is not up for grabs. I've even conquered death. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear tomorrow. You don't have to fear Satan. Satan, shame, fear, uncertainty, it all lost at the cross. And all you have to do is say yes. To which we go, are you, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. And he takes you once again through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday 
to show you just how serious. And when you say yes, family that have been praying for you, brothers and sisters that love you, they join in this celebration of the most important yes that you will ever say. All you have to do is say yes. Yes, I'm tired of beating myself up. Yes, I'm tired of life being so difficult, the dysfunction, the addiction. I would like to know that there's power for life to work. Yes, I would like my sins to be forgiven because there are some big ones. Yes, I would like to know that death is not even an enemy. Yes. There are two groups of people in this room, those who need to say yes and those who know someone who need to say yes. And it brings us to a response today. So I'd just like to lead you in prayer. If you'd close your eyes, I'd like to challenge you with the first question. Do you need to say yes to Jesus? You need to accept him as your personal savior. Life has had its way with you. It's just beat you up and beat you down. And you need God's grace. You need your sins forgiven. As you look back over your past and you see all the things that that you've done, yet you know Christ is able to forgive you, are you willing to say yes to his invitation? Where no fear, no struggle of this life can define your future or make it uncertain. The devil doesn't own the future. The devil doesn't own your future. God does. If you'll just say yes, you'll know his grace, you'll know his strength, you'll know his power. He'll give you what the Bible calls a living hope. It's alive, it's real. And he gives it to you by the resurrection, by the gift of Sunday. Hope rises. Think about that. Hope rises. If you need to say yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand right now? How simple yet how powerful. We've been reminded of his love and grace. If you're not living for him the way you should, there's not a a true commitment in your heart toward him. And there needs to be. You want to say yes to full devotion. Why don't you just lift your hand right now? It'll signal me that you're going to pray this prayer today. The peace that Jesus gives is awesome. 
the love that comes by way of grace, it's transforming. You'll walk in the affirmation of God's love. Man, it's like a wave of grace in here right now. Coming over our souls. there's anything between you and the Lord, just ask Him to forgive you. There's anything. Bring it before Him in honesty. 